Hey everyone, it's Father Pat here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from Monday of the 30th week in Ordinary Time. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if only we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response? Our God is the God of salvation. Our God is the God of salvation. God arises, his enemies are scattered, and those who hate him flee before him. But the just rejoice and exult before God. They are glad and rejoice. Our God is the God of salvation. The father of orphans and the defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God gives a home to the forsaken. He leads forth prisoners to prosperity. Our God is the God of salvation. Blessed day by day be the Lord who bears our burdens. God who is our salvation. God is a saving God for us. The Lord, my Lord, controls the passageways of death. Our God is the God of salvation. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who for 18 years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for eighteen years now, ought she not to, have, not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at all the splendid deeds done by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the gospel message lays not so much in what is said, but in what is not said. We hear in today's gospel, the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, there are six days when work should be done, not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord said to him, hypocrites. This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? And when he said this, all of his adversaries were humiliated and the whole crowd rejoiced. The end, right? I mean, that's the end of the episode in the gospel. But, but was it really the end? 
I mean, what happened next? Don't you wonder? The part that's unwritten, the part that we don't read, what, what happened next? The gospel doesn't tell us explicitly, but obviously the story wasn't over. What did the leader of the synagogue do after Jesus left? Did he send word to the high priest and the other, you know, Jewish leaders that Jesus humiliated him and had to be stopped? Or after the crowds followed Jesus out and the building emptied, did he use his Sabbath rest? And for all it was the Sabbath day, right? Did he did he did he take some quiet time to think about what Jesus had just done and said? Did he say to himself, you know what? I hate to admit it, but but Jesus is right. That poor woman, she was suffering, and I mostly ignored her, found her kind of to be annoying. And Jesus helped her. And now I resent that he did what I what I wouldn't or couldn't have done. Wouldn't it be great to know that 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 the synagogue leader sought out the woman the next day and apologized to her for his words and his actions the day before? Wouldn't it help to know that the man followed Jesus to Jerusalem and was with the disciples on the day of Pentecost? You know, I've had more than my share of synagogue leader moments. I still think back and I cringe about how I've treated people or reacted in certain situations. A few of those moments had happy endings, and, and those are the ones where, where I was able to say, you know what, I'm a hypocrite. I say that I'm a disciple of Christ, and, and I didn't behave like, like one. I'm sorry. I could give you an excuse for why I acted the way I did, but, but that doesn't matter. I'll try to do better. That's actually what redemption looks like. It's very often not from a near-death experience or a dramatic event in a person's life. Many times redemption comes from honest reflection on an unexpected encounter with Jesus, maybe not in the synagogue, but, but in the supermarket, that causes me or, or you to say, I'm sorry, I'll try to do better. For as the psalm says, our God is the God of salvation. Have a great day.